Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wal'aqibatu lilmuttaqeen Wala udwana illa ala zalimeen Allahumma salli ala nabiyyina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Wa man tamasaka bisunnatihi ila yawmiddin Thumma amma ba'd Alhamdulillah ala ni'mat al-Islami wa sunnah All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah. We continue going over the tremendous book by the Fudil to Shaykh Al-Allama Imam bin Baz Rahimahullahu Ta'ala. The book which is entitled Durusul Muhimma Ni'amat Al-Ummah Important Lessons for the General Masses of the Ummah. We're still on the section which is dealing with Shirk Al-Akbar dealing with major shirk and the imam rahimahullah ta'ala he brings some examples of some of the categories of shirk al-akbar the next category that the shaykh he mentions he says wal istighatha bihim and seeking help in times of peril with the false deities with other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, istighatha, istighatha, what it is, is talib al-ghawth. It is the seeking of al-ghawth, which is i'ana wa musa'ada. I'ana wa musa'ada. It is help, aid, and assistance. Naam. So it is the seeking of help, aid, and assistance in general. But in particular, this al-istighatha, it is the seeking of that help and that aid and that assistance, but in times of peril. So the Shaykh, he mentions the Fadil to Shaykh, Shaykh Abdul Razak bin Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad al-Badr, Hidhuhumullahu Ta'ala, he mentions, he says, al-istighatha takunu fi shada'id. That al-istighatha, it is in shada'id, it is in times of peril. It is when things get really bad, when they get really rough, get really tough. Naam? In times of peril, wal-qurubat, wal-amrad. In times of peril, when things are extremely difficult and inside of severe illnesses, amrad, inside of severe sicknesses and illnesses, then you find this is istighatha. So seeking help and the likes of these times, then the appropriate word to use for it is al-istighatha. And this is what separates al-istighatha yani, from other help, aid, and assistance. Naam, is that it is particular to those times of extreme difficulty, those times of peril. Naam, like if a person, for example, were drowning, and they were to seek of help, aid, and assistance, then you will call it in this time istighatha. Naam, this is what they're doing, they're seeking help in times of peril. Naam, so this is al istighatha. So to do this with other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Naam, to seek help in times of extreme difficulty from other than Allah, then bila shak bila raib, then this is shirk. Naam. To seek help in these ex times of extreme difficulty, to have something removed that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the ability to do, then bila shak wa bila raib, then this is what? Then this is 
يعني شرك الله سبحانه وتعالى. Unfortunately, we live in a time that the knowledge of the deen is extremely limited. It is extremely low. Where most of the Muslims, they don't practice Islam based upon proofs and evidences. They don't practice Islam based upon knowledge. You'll find that many times, even with the everyday things that they do, as far as their wudu, as far as prayer, na'am, and the like, that they are not doing it because they studied it. Na'am, that meaning they are not doing it upon the manner that they're doing it because at one point or period in their life, they studied it. No, they're doing it like this because this is what they're seeing their forefathers doing, right? Or this is what they were just instructed to do. But they never actually studied the deen themselves. They never actually studied these affairs themselves. They never actually studied what are the rules and regulations that are linked to purity. What are the rules and the regulations as related to the salat, so on and so forth. They never studied it. So if you were to ask them, well, why do you pray upon this manner in detail? Why do you pray upon this manner? Why do you put your hands here and not there? Why do you, you know, why do you go down on this or that and so on and so forth? They can tell you nothing but this is how I was taught. This is what we do in my country. This is what my father do. This is what my family does. Now, so on and so forth. This is the only thing they can offer you. And all of these answers are indications that they themselves have not studied. That they themselves have not studied these issues. So therefore, they're just doing what they saw the other people doing or what someone told them to do. And that was it. They never sought anything beyond that. And this is a, a travesty, right? Especially when you're taking from individuals or you're taking from the instruction of individuals who they themselves have not been instructed. They themselves are in actuality in the same boat as you are, whereas they themselves haven't studied. They just heard something or this is what they were instructed to do by those who they themselves didn't study. They just heard something they were instructed to do. So this is of extremely yeah, I mean, dangerous. So you have the blind leading the blind. Now, you have the blind leading the blind. And this is a travesty. Why? Because when you have this type of environment, it becomes very easy for individuals to introduce things into the mix that have nothing to do with Islam, but it will never be checked because everything is just accepted. Right. So this will foster an environment that could lead to a lot of superstitious practices. Right. A lot of things that are just, yani, Allahu Adam, what their origin is and where they got them from. But people could just say what they want to say and it's accepted and it's believed. And from this standpoint, unfortunately, you have a lot of superstitious and Sufi practices which they themselves are rooted, yani, in, in adopting what other religions have done, yani, uh, uh, imitating the kuffar and what they do. Right. Um, things that have absolutely nothing to do with the deen of Islam. A lot of these practices now seep into the everyday actions of the Muslims. And from this is something that enters into this affair. So the Shaykh, he mentions, he says, that many of the common people, Right? 
ذهب إلى أحد القبور ولجأ إلي وبكى عنده وخضع وخشع وألح عليه في قضاء حاجته في قضاء حاجته وعياذ بالله The Shaykh he says so you find that many of the common people right many of the common people إذا اشتد به المرض if a sickness increases if his sickness increases or he is touched with a severe ailment or his need increases he's in a situation that is extremely dire or his poverty increases and is a yani extremely yani uh, situation of need he's in an extreme situation of need he's suffering from yani gross poverty right or some type of calamity touch reaches him he is touched with the calamity or other than this then you will find that they will run to one of the graves now they will run to one of the graves meaning the graves of those whom they deem to be righteous the graves of their awliya of their saints so on and so forth right now when we stop and we look at this and we reflect back to a previous statement that this is that which has been adopted from the kuffar this type of actions the sufis they have adopted this from the kuffar and imitate the kuffar as relates to this if you look to the catholics for example then you find the catholics they are notorious for this and they have their patron saints right and it be a saint of such and such right and when they become in times of peril they will pray to the saint of that particular thing Right, so you have a saint, for example, of lost causes. Right, I'm not going to mention who he is because that's not the point. Right, but you have a saint, for example, of lost causes. So if they feel they're in a situation of a lost cause, then they will pray upon that particular saint by his name. Right, um, then you have a saint for such and such. Right, and if they're in that situation, they'll pray to that saint, Yanni, who deals with that particular thing. Now. All of this comes under the guise of saints and seeking intercession via these saints, so on and so forth. But if you were to reflect back and you were to compare that, for example, to those pagan religions that each have a God for such and such, right? A God for love, a God for death, a God for the harvest, right? A God for yani, the moon, a God for rain, so on and so forth. Every time they need something in one of those particular areas, then they'll pray to that specific God, right? So if it's dealing with matters of love, they'll pray to God so-and-so. If it's dealing with matters connected to the harvest, then they'll pray to God such-and-such. Such. If it's connected to the rain, then they'll pray to God so-and-so, so on and so forth. Now, now, when one steps back and he looks back, right, and he looks back at what is being done, not focusing on the terminologies that are used, not focusing on the jargon that is used, Right. But if you look back at what is being done, the practice itself, how does one differ from the other? It doesn't. The only difference is in terms. That's it. In this case, with the pagans, they call them gods. They call them gods. Right. God for the, the love. God for rain. God for wind. So on and so forth. Right. God for this particular thing. Right. Um, and then in the other, they say what? Saints. 
saints for yani you know this or yeah whatever the yeah the catholics i mean right they call them the saints for this thing saints for that thing saints for this thing so if you look back what's the difference between them two there is no difference except in what in terminology now if you look back to the practice of the sufis right and 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 those who tread upon this evil and corrupted and despicable way if you look at it you can strip you can say okay for argument's sake they don't have saints that are connected to particular things for example you say, okay, they don't have saints that are connected to a particular thing. Okay. But they go to these saints and they what? They pray to them. They go to these saints, number of saints, and they pray to them. So although these saints haven't been designated that they are the saint of this particular and specific affair, they still will go to saint this one or pray to him. Then they have another saint over here and they may pray to him too. Another saint over there, they may pray to him too. So barring that, okay, there are no specific things that these particular saints have been associated with, particular issues. They still go to them and they pray to them. So in that overall broader general sense, praying to saints, the Sufis pray to saints, the Catholics pray to saints. What's the difference? There's no difference. And we've already established that between the, what the Catholics do and what the pagans do, there's no difference. So in essence, what the Sufis do and what the pagans do is no difference. Why? Because it's all paganism. It's all paganism. When you pray to something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is paganism. Naam. When you're seeking help in times of peril with something other than Allah, that is paganism. You understand? This person has a, a sickness. Wait. Who, who, who going to remove that sickness except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Naam. Who's going to remove that sickness except for Allah, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He's the only one who can remove that sickness. Now, we're not speaking about taking the means. Because you see, some of the shayateen, they will come and try to make doubts. They will say, but oh, but what if you went to the doctor and you asked the doctor for help and you sought medical treatment? That's, that's, that's seeking help with something other than Allah, right? No, that's taking the means. You're taking the means. It's like when you take medicine. That's taking the means. You're taking the means that are means that are proven, right? That are connected, right? And these are means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has made the means by way in which individuals will seek that which they're looking for, right? So, for example, that medicine, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made that medicine or that herb or so on and so forth. That from its properties, medicinal properties, is that it will help with this or help with that fever, yeah, pain, whatever the case is. It will help with these particular things, right? But when the Muslim takes those things, they know that these are just a means. The end result, the actual cure comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because the medicine within itself does not cure and what's the proof of that is that patient A and patient B could be suffering from the exact same thing. And both patients will take the exact same medicine. One patient gets better, one patient doesn't. So now what's the, what's the, what's the, what, what are the factors that will lead to this one didn't get better, that one did get better? And we're saying that their, yani, uh, uh, their, their situation was 100% the same. The situation was 100% the same all factors being the same this one is yani is cured this one is not why because the ultimate cure is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
is not from the means. The ultimate cure is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The tawfiq is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah ta'ala has commanded us to take the means. Naam, he has commanded us to take the means. To go out and do the footwork. But the tawfiq, the believer he knows, is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, asking help from a doctor for medical treatment is just from taking the means. That's one. Two, we're asking help from someone who has the ability to help. Why? Because they have knowledge of medicine. They have knowledge of medicine. So therefore, they have knowledge of ailments and what yani, medicines would combat those ailments yani, in general. So we're going to someone who has the means because they are alive. They're present. They're there. We're talking to them. They hear us. We hear them. Right? They have the medical know-how. So they have the knowledge base where they can point us in a direction and give us good advice. So going to such, we're going to one who is capable of pointing us in a direction and helping us to attain the means. But as far as the cure, the cure is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The cure is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know this and everyone knows this. And the doctors themselves, they should know this even more than everybody else. Because how many of their patients get better and then how many patients don't get better? How many of their patients, they survive this particular thing? And how many other patients die from that exact same thing? So they realize that what? That, yani, this is beyond them. This is beyond them. They're just taking the means, right? So there's no comparison in going to a doctor, for example, right? Uh, and, and, and seeking medical treatment and going to a saint who's dead, can't help you, right? Can't hear you, doesn't have the ability to help themselves, let alone you. And you're dealing with an issue of, yani, which they... Is not in their hands to begin with. So now, what's the difference? Right? Night and day. Are they the same? No, they are not. Right? Totally opposite. Totally different. Okay. Another example, which shows how foolish this particularly is. If a person is drowning in the middle of the, the ocean, and then they call upon Saint So-and-so. What's Saint So-and-so going to do to help them? Saint So-and-so one is dead. As we took in last week's class, saying so-and-so, don't even hear your dua. Don't even hear your dua. Will not even know that you made dua to him at this particular time until when? To the day of judgment. And once they will be informed about that on the day of judgment, they will, they will disavow themselves from what you do. They will disavow themselves from what you did. Disavow themselves from the shirk. They will nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. You understand? So what sense do it make to call upon them? They don't hear you anyway. It's what you're calling them for. They can't help you. Even if they heard you, they can't help you. Because they dead. It's what you're calling them for. It makes no sense. You understand? So from every standpoint, you realize these things make no sense. And for individuals to embark upon doing this, and this is just from the epitome of ignorance and how the shaitan has tricked and deceived these individuals. Right? How the shaitan, he has tricked and deceived these individuals. So they, so they will go to the grave and they will seek help and refuge with the occupant of the grave and they will cry at the grave and they will yani commit acts of humility and 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 show fear right at the grave and they will beseech they will beseech yani they will beg they will they will they will plead with the one who was in the grave to alleviate their need or to satisfy their need even with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying inside of his noble book مضطر إذا دعاه ويكشف السوء ويجعلكم 
خلفاء خلفاء الأرض أإله مع الله قليلا ما تذكرون الله عز وجل Allah Azza wa Jal, he says in his noble book, what translated means, is not he, meaning is not Allah, better than these false deities who you call upon? Is not Allah better than these false deities you call upon? Those who they can't help you anyway. Allah Azza wa Jal, he is the one who responds to the one in distress when he calls upon him. When the one in distress calls upon Allah, Allah is the one who responds to him. Allah is the one who removes the evil from him. Allah is the one who has made us khulafa al-ard. He has made us the khulafa, the inheritors of the earth, or that those beings that come in succeeding generations upon the earth. That we come generation after generation after generation. That's what is meant khulafa. Naam. Allah Ta'ala has made us khulafa on the earth. So now I want you to reflect about everything that is linked to that. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put human beings upon this earth and has made them khulafa, meaning he has given them all of the faculties that they need to survive upon the earth. Right? Also, I want you to consider to put human beings upon the earth and make them khulafa on the earth. This also means that what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the earth suitable to be inhabited by this creature. So everything that is needed for us to live here and, and for life to be sustainable upon this planet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put all of those things into effect. So I want you to reflect upon that. From oxygen, from having fresh water, to drink from having gravity from the earth itself having an atmosphere so we're not bombarded by celestial bodies so we're not bombarded by uv rays and radiation from the sun so on and so forth all of these things the fact that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put upon the earth various plants and vegetation so we can eat from it now the fact that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put upon the earth various creatures beasts of burden that we may utilize them to help us with our heavy lifting so that we may eat from their meat, so on and so forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done all of that. So, and that's just, yani, it's just some examples. So I want you just to reflect on everything, everything that is needed for the human beings to be able to live on earth. And then that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given that human himself, ma'am, uh, and likewise to the jinn, has given them that in themselves that they are able to come generation after generation after generation from the intelligence in which he has given us from the faculties in which he has given us from the dexterity of our thumbs and so on and so forth right all of these things that make us yani, uh, 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 being here our existence here possible Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us all of that he has given us everything Allah has made us khulafa upon the earth by himself no one else has done that these things that they call upon, they are incapable of doing anything for themselves, let alone anything else or anyone else. So Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta has made a khulafa upon the earth. So I want you to understand that when that is mentioned, that's tremendous. Because there's so many things that are linked to that. That is tremendous, right? So Allah ta'ala, he says, and it is he, Allah, 
who has made us khulafa upon the earth. A'ilahun ba'Allah? Is there an ilah with Allah? Is there another deity? Is there, a, is there any God with Allah? Now, and this is yani, a question of rebuke. Is there any God with Allah? Of course, the answer is no. Right? Right? Of course not. No deity with Allah. La ilaha illallah. So Allah rebukes the likes of these polytheists who come with this false understanding. And then Allah Ta'ala shows how little they reflect, how little they comprehend, how little they utilize the faculties of intellect in which they have been given, how poor their judgment is. Allah Ta'ala, he says, little is that you remember. It is but a little that you remember. It is only but a little that you ponder. Because if you were to ponder you to reflect upon things you already know. And this is why, yeah, I mean, from the benefits of saying what you remember. Because what you remember is what you already know. You just have to recall it, right? You just have to remember it. But you already know it. It's not much something you have to be taught. No, you already know it. You already know it. You have to be reminded. Now, wait. When a person looks back and they reflect, if they were to be asked, who created you? Did this one dead in a grave? That's the one created you? Then the person will say no. He didn't create me. This one dead in the earth. That's the one who created your forefathers. The ones who was alive before he was alive. He created them. They say no. He didn't create them. Okay. This one dead in the grave. He's the one that sends down the provisions from the heavens and the earth. They say no. He don't send out no provisions from the heaven and the earth. This one dead in the grave. He's the one that yani, raises the dead. They will say no. This one dead in the grave. He don't raise the dead. Now this stuff we already know about. Right? But so if he... if if he didn't do that, because he couldn't do that then, then how in the world he's going to have any power now? How in the world he's going to have any power over the universe now? How in the world he's going to have any power over your situation right now? He was incapable then, so how is he capable now? Does it even make sense? We already know this. But they don't reflect. They don't connect the dots. So how little, how poor do they, re how do they remember? The Sheikh, he mentions, he says, Ma aqalla. He said, how poor is their reflection? How poor is their remembering over those things that will guide them to the truth and will guide them to the right way? It's right there in front of their face. Right, as they say, is is written on the yani, is written on the wall. Huh? The handwriting is on the wall. It's right there in front of their face, but they don't see it. They don't see it. Subhanallah. Imam bin Baz he brings another example. He says, nadar lahum," and they seek oaths. They seek oaths, yani, for the for for these uh, in the name. Of these of these false deities to see oh so they're gonna do something in in their name right they take these promises yeah that they're gonna take these oaths these promises they're gonna do such and such in the name of so and so subhanallah all of this is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show the like of this devotion to other than Allah for what for what as we mentioned these things are impoverished they are incapable they are the definition of Yani, those who are in need. So, what you you making an oath to them for what? They can't reward you for it. 
They can't repay you for anything you have done. Right? They can't give you Jannah. They can't save you from the fire. So why are you placing your Nudur in the likes of these individuals is tremendously idiotic. It's destructive. It's polytheism. It's shirk. And they also, and they slaughter in their names. They slaughter in the names of these individuals. That animal that Allah has put there for you. Allah put that animal there for you. Allah created that animal. Huh? And subjected that, made that animal yani, subjected to you so that you could eat from his flesh and so on and so forth. Right? Allah created that animal and put it there for you. And then you're going to kill it in somebody else's name. That person who did not create it. That person who didn't give the animal his faculties. That person who did not make the animal subjugated to you. That person who, who that has nothing to do with nothing. They're impoverished. They themselves are the slave of Allah. They themselves are Allah's servant. Are you going to slaughter in the name of a servant? You gonna, yeah, and subhanAllah makes no sense. Makes no sense. Naam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala, he says in his noble book, salati wa nusuki, say that my salah and my nusuk, what nusuk is what? A dhabhi, that my nusuk, meaning my slaughtering. My slaughtering is what? Is it is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like my salah is for Allah, my slaughtering is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa mahyaya wa mamati lillah rabbil alameen. And my living Yani, uh, and, uh, yani, uh, my life and my death belongs unto Allah, the Lord of all that exists. Belongs unto Allah, the Lord of all that exists. Naam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, The Prophet sallallahu he said in a hadith that comes in Muslim and is on the authority of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that, the la'na, the curse of Allah, is upon the one who slaughters in the name of other than Allah. Or, yani, the curse of Allah is upon the one who slaughters for other than Allah. Naam. So the one who slaughters for other than Allah, or you kill something in the name of other than Allah, then the la'na, the curse of Allah is upon you. What does that mean, la'n? What is la'n? La'n huwa tarud. Huwa tarud. Wa ib'ad. من رحمة الله عز وجل اللعنة you know it's translated as the curse the curse of Allah upon so and so right the curse of Allah the la'na of Allah wait what does that mean the la'na of Allah the, yani, which is translated as curse it means that an individual is removed kicked out removed and made far away from what from Allah's mercy huh that, that the mercy of Allah is far away from the one who does such and such who in this case who slaughters in the name of other than allah or they slaughter to other than allah then the la'na of allah is upon them meaning they are kicked out of allah's mercy they are pushed far away from allah's mercy meaning that allah's mercy will not reach them this is what they get this is this is this is the recompense for what they have done in slaughtering for other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala naam so when we reflect back and we look at these things, woe to those individuals who come and they say, it's okay to do this in Islam, and this is yani, 
our version of Islam. This is our practice or the nomination of Islam that it's okay for us to do it. And for you to tell us that we can't do it, then this is not good. This is from, yani, uh, you know, this person's yani, uh, Wahhabi and all this type of stuff. And you say, subhanAllah, there's no such thing as Wahhabi Islam, right? Uh, unless you mean Al-Wahhab, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the deem belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if you mean by that connecting it to someone else, then no. No, this don't make sense. That doesn't exist. Why? Because Islam it comes from from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And Islam in Allah, Islam is from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The Prophet Sallallahu he told us what Islam is. Now, so our Imam, our Imam is Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Our Imam is Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, and we take his statement over the statement of every other human being, man can, whoever he may be. We don't care. We take in the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And anyone else from the human beings, if their statement contradicts the Prophet Wasallam, then we take their statement, we throw it away. Why? Because we're sticking to the Sunnah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He is our Imam. Because Islam and Allah, Islam is from Allah. So the only Islam that there is is the Islam from Allah. Anything else? Anything else? Nah, that's not Islam. If it's not from Allah, it's not Islam. If the Prophet did not teach it to us, it's not Islam. If it doesn't agree with that which is from Allah and that which was taught to us by Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that was the companions were upon. Do you know what? It is not Islam. Now, so these ones want to come and say, "Oh no, but our version say it's okay." Well, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said it's not. So your version means nothing. Your version means nothing. It's worthless. Your version is worthless. Now, because we're going to stick with Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because Islam is only one thing. That's it. Uh, the Shaykh goes on to say, Shaykh Abdul Razaq goes on to mention, وعند الشيخ رحمه الله تعالى في خاتمة الكلام يعني عن عن الشرك الأكبر بعض أنواعه فيه التنبيه إلى أن معرفة الشرك تتطلب معرفة الأنواع. He said that the Shaykh he concluded his speech about major shirk by pointing out some of his categories. By pointing out some of his categories. And, and that in order to know what shirk is in the pursuit of having knowledge of what is shirk, it necessitates that an individual has knowledge over what are the categories and type of shirk. So if you want to know what is polytheism, it's not enough just to say, okay, polytheism is, and then give a definition. But rather, you have to know, okay, what are some expressions of polytheism? What are some examples of what falls into what is polytheism? What are some of the things that will constitute polytheism? You got to know that. Because if you don't know that, then really you don't know what it is. You will never be able to know what it is. That's like giving you a rule and then not give you any practical examples. So you will not be able to identify the rule when you see it because you have no practical examples. You understand? So the sheikh... Uh, he gave a practical example and this is from the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this is from the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam just reflect back and go back and refer back to those classes on Arba'in and Nawiyah the 40 Hadith going over the first Hadith and how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he brought the rule and then he gave an example for that rule so that you know this is the way 
of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam This is the way of those who are following and imitating the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Is that they will give you examples for the rule in which was aforementioned So that you have a better understanding Because that's the only way you're going to know That's the only way you're going to know So it is incumbent that we study and we learn What are the anwar of the shirk So that we can stay away from them What are the anwar of ibadah so that we know they are to be given to Allah and to give any of these types and categories of worship to other than Allah, then it is shirk. It is shirk. Right. And since this book was only a book that is summarized, then the Shaykh he only mentioned some of the categories. He didn't go over all of them. He just mentioned some of them, a few of them. Right, because this is a summarized work. Tanbihan minhu biha ala wainiha, so that he so giving your attention to it, right, which will also spark your attention to other than it, right. Giving your attention to these particular things which will spark your attention, inshallah, to other than that. Nam min sarfil ibadah lil amwat, yani from other than that, from those who give worship to the dead. Aw Al-Asnam, or they give it to an idol, an edifice of some sort, some some stone, well, yani, uh, yani some idol, well, ahjar, or some edifice, some type of some 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 stone, or ashjar, or they give it to some tree, or some vegetation, or other than that, or other than that, وَأَنَّ ذَلِكَ كُلَّهُ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ الْأَكْبَرِ النَّاقِلِ مِنَ الْمِلَّةِ And that verily all of that, is from major shirk the type which will exit one from the religion major shirk the type that will exit one from the religion and then the shaykh rahimahullah ta'ala he gets into the next category and type of shirk which is minor shirk but bi'ithnillahi ta'ala we will save that until the next class fa naktafi bihadha al-qadr wa sallallahu muhammad وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرا